0: This is The Tomorrow Christian Today, reading Acts 24 in the NLT. But first and always, we pray. Doha, thank you so much for the another week. Thank you so much that we can be in Christ and you can be in us. As I read today, Lord, we are in the air and the air is in us. So we are in Christ and Christ is in us. You are in us, Lord. And so being in us, you bring us to the Father. You take us to the Father, Lord. We take up our cross and follow you towards the father's presence forever and even now so bless us now as we read your word we ask for the holy spirit we ask you to give us the joy the peace the the character of god the 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 mindset of the lord and so that we can read your word in an atmosphere of love and not hatred we don't weaponize the bible against anyone but we definitely want to discern truth from error We want to know what it is that we need to do and what it is that we have control that we can that we can change from person to person from race to race culture to culture from gender to gender lord and um help us to be wise in what we say what we do to glorify you um but at the same time to condemn sin as well pray in the name of christ amen well i live in ontario um, as I've said, and uh, outside is a very big storm. I mean, there wasn't a lot of snow on the ground. Well, I think tonight's going to make up for it. I'll be surprised if I can get to the gym tomorrow. I may have to change my tires from all seasonals. Somebody was saying to to get all weather's tires. So instead of having to change tires, but I only have all seasonals. And I'm uh, not really sure how it's going to work tomorrow if it's a lot of snow on the ground. But I guess I'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Right now, we will read Acts 24, and this is Paul appearing before Governor Felix. Five days later, Ananias, the high priest, arrived with some of the Jewish elders and the lawyer Tertullus to present their case against Paul to the governor. So, you know, Ananias was the same in, you know, the trial of Jesus. And uh, in the trial of Jesus, we had the governor Pilate, Pontius Pilate, and now we have Governor Felix. And, of course, Paul, like before, he also got slapped, just like Jesus did. So there's a lot of parallels going on. And he's, you know, Paul has been accused of um, telling telling uh, Jewish Christians not to follow the law of Moses and and not, not to have circumcision. And that's not really true. You know, he hasn't been, as we will see. When Paul was called in, Tertullus presented the charges against Paul in the following address to the governor. Your, your Excellency, you have provided a long period of peace for us Jews and with foresight have enacted reforms for us. For all of this, we are very grateful to you, but I don't want to bore you, so please give me your attention for only a moment. We have found this man to be a troublemaker who is constantly starting up riots among the Jews all over the world. Wow, all over the world. Okay, we have found this man to be a troublemaker who is constantly stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. I just read that. How did I get back to it? He's a ringleader of the cult known as the Nazarenes. So, you know, Jesus was a Nazarene, so this is the cult of Jesus Christ, elevating a person to be God's status. You know, in Jesus' case, it's true. Uh, but of course, you know, since Jesus is a human being and he was killed, then they're going to say that it's a cult, and obviously they're implying it's a false cult. Furthermore, he was trying to desecrate the temple when we arrested him. You can find out the truth of our accusations by examining him yourself. Then the other Jews chimed in, declaring that everything Tertullus—sorry, Tertullus, I'm saying his name wrong—Tertullus said was true. The governor then motioned for Paul to speak. Paul said, I know, sir, that you have been a judge of Jewish affairs for many years, so I gladly present my defense before you. You can quickly discover that I arrived in Jerusalem no more than 12 days ago to worship at the temple. 12 days, isn't that something? 12 apostles, 12 days, you know, 12 tribes of Israel. That's very interesting with the numbers. My accusers never found me arguing with anyone in the temple, nor stirring up a riot in any synagogue or in the streets of the city, these men cannot prove the things they accuse me of doing. So like Jesus people are false they're making up things, false witnesses. They can't get him on truth because there's nothing to get him on, so we'll start making up slander. But I admit, so he does admit I follow the way, right? Because it wasn't called Christianity until the Christians at in Antioch in, in Syria, right? But I admit that I follow the way which they call cult. I worship the God of our ancestors, and I firmly believe the Jewish law and everything written in the prophets. I have the same hope in God that these men have, that he will raise both the righteous and the unrighteous. So they have that same... I mean, even in the Jewish culture, they had the belief about raising the righteous and the unrighteous. So the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection of the body, but the Pharisees uh, do, and we do as Christians. You know, and and to me... um, First Thessalonians 4:13 to 18, they talk about a rapture, I understand. I, as I've said, I'm respectful to that. That's where John Darby got the word rapture, um, harpazio, which means to snatch up violently. And But I also thought that that was the resurrection of the righteous and the unrighteous, or the resurrection of the righteous, at least because it does say the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain. And there's obviously some kind of resurrection of the unrighteous because it says this in Revelation 20 verses... uh, I think it's Revelation 20 verses 5. And you know what? Rather than just leaving it like that, I better double-check. Revelation 20. So let's just go to Revelation 20. So I mentioned about the righteous in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-18. It says Revelation 20. It says here... Revelation 20, uh, verse 5. Then the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. Then, right after that, it says this is the first resurrection. But it seems that the is, is the rest of the dead is that the unrighteous people, and is it the same time as First Thessalonians 4:13 to 18? Right? This is a different chapter of the Bible that I'm reading this from. Revelation 20, verses 5. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. So did the resurrection of the righteous happen before the thousand years? So is the resurrection of the righteous and the unrighteous, does that happen at the same time? I honestly am not sure. So I'm just putting that out there for you to think about. Because there's a lot of different puzzle pieces here. And I'm not sure how you see it. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you, but I'm honestly not sure. And I'm not going to tell you that I'm sure if I'm definitely uncertain. Because Paul was saying that even the Jews, without believing that um, Jesus was the Messiah, even they had a belief of a resurrection, a bodily resurrection, about the righteous and the unrighteous. And certainly, I, I remember reading in a book, it said when Jesus was dead, maybe the apostles thought or they might have thought okay he'll be raised to life at the end with everybody else there was no like there wasn't really a thinking that the messiah would raise to life in between human history in the midst of human history that wasn't really on their radar that wasn't really on the radar of the guys and i'm sure maybe jesus not being not you know for that little bit that they had those doubts right because they all fled in terror the leader's been killed we've got to run, we've got to hide, the Jews are looking for us, the, you know, uh, our movement is over and we're pretty well done. And if Jesus was the Messiah, who was who he says he was, he's gonna be gone forever now, it's done. So when Jesus rose on that Sunday, we assume that it's Sunday, nobody really knows what day it is. Um, You know, it was a day after the, a day after the Sabbath, a day after he was put into the tomb, right? after the Sabbath, if that was Saturday, I have no idea, but whatever day that was, or if it was not maybe the Sabbath, but a Sabbath, not the Sabbath from Exodus 20 verses 8, but it was a Sabbath, so whatever, whatever day that was, you know, they didn't know he was going to rise then, they, they, they did not believe Mary Magdalene, which she said, I've seen the risen Lord, and they said, yeah, sure, Mary, you're just, you're seeing, delu- you're having a, a delusion, you know, so. But Paul is definitely saying that even, um, you know, the pre-Christian era in the Jewish faith, there was a belief in a bodily resurrection of the righteous and the unrighteous. So why would they be raised, why would the unrighteous be raised to life? Why would the righteous, I mean, the righteous, you know, when you die, you go to be with the Lord, but then there's a bodily resurrection, so the Lord brings the spirit back. Okay, you could kind of see that, but the unrighteous are like, have they gone to hell? Are they sleeping in Sheol? What's the deal? And why, what are they being raised for? Why, if, they've, if they're unrighteous, God has judged them to be unrighteous, then why are they being raised back to life? For what purpose? Is this like the, is this the punishment? Is this the verdict? Like the verdict was that they were unrighteous when they died. But then, now they're being raised back to life for what? The, um, the punishment? Is that what's happening in Revelation 20? Because it says, Satan and all the wicked perish in flames. Revelation 20. And that's Revelation 20. And that's in that's in verse 9. So it says here, and they, I'm assuming that's the unrighteous, the unredeemed marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. So the camp of the saints in the beloved city. So the beloved city, I think, is New Jerusalem. Okay? But what's the camp of the saints? But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. So fire is coming from heaven, from God. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Okay, so is that uh, torment is that forever um is that eternal conscious torment uh, some people have said annihilation um there was a teacher on instagram and he he kind of goes around to the universities he's always talking with the young kids and he was telling a guy don't really know what this means that they annihilated out of our universe the unredeemed so there's words here i'm not exactly sure the picture i'm not going to argue the picture that i had because i had a picture once and now i'm not really sure I've got the Bible verses, but I don't really know exactly the picture. And you know what? I don't need to know. I I do want to study. I do want to show God that the Bible is worth my time to study. But to tell God, this is the way it is. Like, Lord, this is what you have given me. This is what I think, but I leave it with you. God knows the dynamics. He knows exactly how it's going to go down. Trust in God and lean not unto your own understanding. And the thing is that when we have an opinion in the Bible, that's, we're not, it's not falsifiable. It can't be proven or disproven. Right? I mean, I believe in God. God has proved himself to me as a believer. God, your faith, um, your faith, uh, you know, you have faith in God, that God is true and God is real and God will do what he says. But how exactly he's going to do it, the the way it's going to happen, the actual sequence of events. It can't be proven or disproven it's not falsifiable so when i hear people arguing about their specific um, belief i don't mind you know i think somebody should have a right to their opinion but i think sometimes incessant arguing and incessant well you're a heretic because you don't believe the way i believe right we're both christians but we've decided to attack each other i think that's kind of a waste of time to be honest it just seems like a waste of like i like apologetics But I like to hear different points of view, and I know where I trend. But now as I think about the Bible, I think about what Satan is doing. Satan is working to set up his kingdom on this planet. He's trying to set up a kingdom, whether he actually believes it's going to succeed or not, because the Bible says he knows that he has a short time, and yet he's trying to build uh, a kingdom with the Antichrist. This is where the governments are going. This is where the world is going right now. This is where the contention, everything is kind of content, everything is um, contending against each other. Everybody's headbutting against each other. Everybody's doing what is right in their own eyes. Right? This is where it's all going. And Satan is trying to establish his control over the earth, which the Bible says will fall apart. Anyways, I didn't know I was going to belabor that point so long, so please forgive me if I've kind of lost you and bored you there. But it just occurred to me that the the people even though the jewish the jewish people even though they don't believe that jesus is the messiah and they think that christians are enemies and a cult they still have some a belief about a bodily resurrection that involves both righteous the redeemed and the unrighteous or the unredeemed and if the righteous are are raised to life um are are, are resurrected for life but then again, I just recall that Jesus, uh, Jesus says that um, the unrighteous are raised to eternal damnation. So there must be punishment that is involved um, for being unrighteous before you go into that damnation, whatever that is. Verse 16, because of this, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and all people. So this is Paul talking. After several years away, I returned to Jerusalem with money to aid my people and to offer sacrifices to God. My accusers saw me in the temple as I was completing a purification ceremony. There was no crowd around me and no rioting, but some Jews from the province of Asia were there and they ought to be here to bring charges if they have anything against me. Ask these men here what crime the Jewish high council found me guilty of, except for the one time I shouted out, I am on trial before you today because I believe in the resurrection of the dead. So we believe in the resurrection of dead as Christians. Verse 22, at that point, Felix, who was quite familiar with the way, adjourned the hearing and said, wait until Lysias, the garrison commander arrives, then I will decide the case. He ordered an officer to keep Paul in custody, but to give him some freedom and allow his friends to visit him and take care of his needs. Verse 24, a few days later, Felix came back with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. Sending for Paul, they listened as he told them about faith in Christ Jesus. So he's witnessing to them. As he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control in the coming day of judgment, Felix became frightened. Go away for now, he replied. So sounds like a guy who's being convicted. So sounds like the, the spirit was trying to get through to him, right? When it is more convenient, I'll call for you again. He also hoped that Paul would bribe him So he sent for him quite often and talked with him. Verse 27, after two years went by in this way, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. And because Felix wanted to gain favor with the Jewish people, he left Paul in prison. So, Governor Felix was obviously very impressed and very influenced by Paul the way King Herod was influenced by John the Baptist. It's amazing because he was actually listening to him and talking with him, and I guess they must have had some kind of respect for him, but but when push comes to shove, he wanted the favor of man rather than the favor of God, so he left Paul in prison. And as we see, the saga continues. When you're a Christian, it's not just a job, it's an adventure. Um, there will be There will be persecution, But we know that Jesus Christ is true and we know that Jesus Christ is real and we live our life in this broken world because I was reading Barclay today and he did mention that fact that we are in Christ and Christ is in us the way a man is in air and the air is in the man. We live our life integrated into the life and the eternal communion with God our Father because of the blessed Lord Jesus Christ. What 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 a glory. What a, what, a, what a shout out to divine uh, mercy. And we know that God is good. He sent Jesus. God is interested in us. God loves us. God values us. And we will never be separated from God ever again. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you all for listening. Take care. God bless. And if you're driving around in Ontario, try not to drive too far because it's snowing quite badly out there. Take care and be safe.